Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. On this podcast, I'm inviting you into my personal library to experience my favorite erotica. All of the volumes that I will read from are on my shelves. Each week, I will treat you to a piece of erotica, either my own or from one of my favorite authors. Some weeks, I will be joined by these amazing authors themselves, and you will have the chance to hear them read their own work. This podcast is being supported by my Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Lori Beth Bisbee. For people who subscribe, you will have access to special interviews with authors and readings and also to special events. So grab your drink of choice, get comfortable, and enjoy a peek into my erotic world. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee's Erotic Library. Um, and the uh, days are getting cooler and the night's drawing in for sure. And these are the time of year that I really love curling up in bed with duvets um, around me and covers around me, preferably naked, but, you know, sometimes with some Jim Jams. And reading a really good piece of erotica or listening to an erotic story. Um, my favorite thing to curl up with is some hot apple cider. Now, um, for those of you in the United Kingdom, in the United States, apple cider is not necessarily um, alcoholic. In fact, a lot of al- apple cider is soft cider. Uh, it's made from unpasteurized apple juice. Cider in the United Kingdom is all alcoholic and mostly sparkling, so it's a very different drink. But for me, uh, once I went away to university uh, in in Boston in September of 1980, you could find on my stove from about the 1st of November all the way through December a pot filled with soft cider and mulling spices, so cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, and I would drink hot cups of that when it got to be too late for drinking coffee or tea because the caffeine would affect me. So I drank that all winter, and I've really missed that uh, living in the United Kingdom. But just recently, we've started juicing apples and making our own unpasteurized apple juice by juicing the apples and making cider out of our apples. So I'm in that part of the year and and I want to invite you to settle down and enjoy this week's episode. I'm going to read some of my own stuff. I'm also reading a piece that was written by my husband, Terrence Scott. So this should be fun. And I'm going to start with his. What a glorious day it is. A bit of overcast, but the sun casts warm beams of light all around the city, as if giants were searching for something among the ants of the city. It's Saturday. Most of the people I see are not on their way to work. No, they're out to see what their hard-earned dollars will get them, as they flit from store to store. I'm out looking too, but it's not a material thing that I seek. Not really. Something else, something, in effect, more concrete than that. As I move through the sea of people, I catch something that sends a thrill through me. I can't quite put my finger on it. Damn it, it's gone as quickly as it came. It's gone, but the feeling it brought is still thrumming in my bones. 
What was that? So focused am I on this feeling that I come to a stop. Not a wise thing to do in a city crowd. Several people narrowly miss me. One is not so lucky. He and his cell phone and his packages spew onto the sidewalk, causing even more of a problem. Wait, there it is again. This time I'll not let it get away. I move towards the feeling only to be brought up short by a hand on my shoulder. It's the guy with the packages to pick up. He's angry. He wants satisfaction. I do not have time for this crap. Strange it is that most folks figure the physical will get them respect over others. I don't have time for this. Our heights are not the same. I'm smaller and he looms down over me, voicing to the entire world what he wants from me. It rises up for me before I know it is coming. Our eyes meet and there's a low growl in my throat. I hear myself. This is not a good day for this written plain across my face. I push past to follow what is so very, very faint now. Shopper guy does not follow. My nose wrinkles at ascent. Something tells me that it is fear. A quick glance behind me at the face of Mr. Shopper confirms it. I move on. First strong, then weaker, then strong. The feeling pulls me onward. I move through the crowds trying to find the source. Wait, is that ascent now? I am close. Down the blocks and across the streets, scent and feeling leading me, screeching of brakes and cursing in my wake as I travel heedless of the signs of traffic. I feel the cool breeze as the sun, setting sun gives up its warmth to the night. I must move faster. I begin to lope. The green, dark expanse of the park beckons me. The scent is stronger now. The park is all but vacant as the sun sets. All but a few drunks and people looking for something they can't get at the store are all that remain as I head into the park's unlit interior. Strange the darkness does not give me pause as I, led by feeling and nose, push ever deeper. The scent is intoxicating. My mouth waters as I begin to climb the tree-studded hills. The anticipation is intense. Shadow upon shadow catches my eye at the same moment my ears hear the sound of dry leaves being crushed. I forge ahead. Clear of the trees, a catch sight of many shadows, all moving, seeking, hunting, I move faster, unsure yet knowing to be second is to be nothing in this. A sudden weight upon my back heralds the first challenge to me. We roll, bite, claw, growl. At the end, it is my teeth upon his throat, resisting the urge to tear. I move onward. Time flees before my, me as time and time again I must prove and fight my way past those who seek as I do. The half-chewed moon rises over the city as I top the rise and see her. Her stance is not one of welcome to me as I approach. Lips peel back to reveal teeth white and wicked. She back from me as I see to draw near. Her growl says retreat, yet the feel, the scent of her says take. Another challenge to be met, I howl as I leap for her. Teeth seek my throat for my blood. Nails gouge my flesh. I seek to win by mean strength, but she takes what I have and does not yield. Around us others move. Each seek to take my place should I fall by the wayside. I must not fail. I cannot fail. Will not fail. At long last, fortune smiles my way. A misstep sends her sprawling and I am upon her, teeth on her throat. Belly exposed, she lays still, submissive for the first time to my will. All becomes a red haze as I mount her, wet and fire hot. Her howl joins mine as we reach that point where spirit seems to leave flesh and fly skyward. 
Again and again we call to the sky till we collapse on the wet, beaten grass, spent. I feel the others retreat from us, moving back down the hill through the park and soon wakening city. As the moon seeks to drop away from the first rays of the new day, I begin to move away to begin my journey back to the land of men. Her touch stays me, and I turn to question. Her voice is husky, still from our cries in the night, but she brings her face to mine as she says, I know where we can get coffee. leather glove over my mouth and nose makes it difficult for me to scream. I inhale, trying to get more air or smelling the leather. I'm not sure. I'm torn between struggling and remaining perfectly still. I'm not given much time to think before I'm pushed to my knees. A booted foot pushes my thighs apart. My face is released and I remain quiet, not daring to speak. The muted candlelight makes it difficult for me to see. I smell sandalwood, musk, and sweat. I smell my own fear and arousal. I realize I am shaking. I tried to still myself, but it only makes it worse. I feel cool steel against my neck, and I freeze. I hear a chuckle. I hear, don't move, in my head. I feel the sharpness of the blade moving from the back of my neck to the side, pressing into the jugular for a second before moving away. I struggle to keep still, to stop my trembling. The blade presses the front of my throat, arm pressing into my windpipe. I am pulled off balance and fall backwards into strong arms. The blade is tracing patterns on my jaw, my face, then down to my chest. The breathing behind me is slow and deep. I am panting, moaning. Sweat is running down my chest and back between my thighs, mingling with the juice. Sweat runs down between my ass cheeks. The blade rasps over my nipples, and I almost scream. 
A small trickle of blood arises next to the scar on my left nipple, the scent a sharp tang in the air. I begin to shiver as it drips onto my breast. Leather-covered finger smears the blood, tastes the blood. I am keening. Desire so intense, throbbing so deep, I feel I might break open. Fear sharp and pungent. The blood continues to flow from my breast. Please, I wail, but I don't know what I'm begging for. Relief, release, both. To have you drink or to have you stop. To come, all I can do is cry, please. Come. I convulse violently, orgasm welling up from the very depths of my soul, still crying, please. Hands in my hair bend me back, exposing my bleeding breast. Lips suckle gently, just tasting the blood there, and then more urgently, kneading my breast and lapping up the flow. I keep coming as I feel teeth urging more blood to flow. Feel you so close to coming as you drink from me, and I want desperately to feel you come. Please, I wail a final time as I feel your release, the energy washing over me. Your triumph, your satisfaction, sheer joy. This one's called Stalking. The house is dark and somewhat cold when I startle awake. I take a few minutes before getting out of bed. I cannot figure out what woke me. I get out of bed and wrap my red cashmere robe tightly around me, slowly walk through the house and out the back door into the garden. I shine my torch all around, but all I see are the sleeping chickens in their run. I walk up the garden to the outbuildings, but no one is there. The hair on my body is standing up. Goosebumps appear on my arms, legs, and across my chest. I walk quickly back to the house, close and lock the door. I walk around the house, checking 
everything. Windows and doors, unlocking and relocking them, walking the perimeter, as I used to do when the PTSD was the strongest. One circuit, two, then three. I stop myself and put myself back in bed. I turn the television on, strip off my robe, and then slide between the sheets, a fitful sleep. The morning is cold and gray. I dress warmly in black jeans, deep blue cashmere jumper, leather coat, leather gloves. I wind a colorful scarf round my head and neck. Sliding into my boots, I grab my bag and keys, and I'm off into town. There is freezing fog, making the drive to the station treacherous. It looks beautiful hanging over the fields. I get to the station car park and find a space. I'm heading into town to meet Ty for lunch and a bit of shopping. We haven't seen each other for a while, and I'm looking forward to hearing all about her new love. I head into the station and get my ticket. Down on the platform, the hair rises on my body again. I feel eyes on the back of my neck. I turn quickly to try and see who's watching me, but I see no one there. I'm unnerved. Breathe, I think, and slowly count my breaths. In for five beats, out for five beats, until my pulse returns to normal and the hair on my body settles. I look around the platform at the people awaiting this train. I catch a glimpse of someone in a leather jacket and jeans. There are two women whose bags I covet, another woman whose dress I covet, a third woman who I simply desire. She is lush, full breasts, round ass, and a medium waist, with thick black hair bound into a long braid. Her coffee skin lightly freckled and her hazel eyes sparkling. She meets my eyes, grins, and I blush, realizing I have been staring. The train arrives. I take a seat in the first-class carriage. The train is crowded this morning, as usual. I open my iPad and begin to catch up on words with friends. I feel someone next to me and look up. The lush woman is standing next to me, looking down at me. I can smell her perfume. Wood mixed with a spice and a tuberose top note. She is intoxicating. She smiles at me and goes back to reading her book. I find it difficult to concentrate and spend the rest of the ride enjoying her nearness, feeling her heat and inhaling her scent. She gets off the train at London Bridge, slipping her card into my bag as she leaves and blowing me a kiss. I flush a claret red. On her card she is written, Call me lovely. Her scent lingers on the card. I get off the train, still thinking about the luscious woman and wondering if I'll have the courage to call. I walk out of the station, heading towards the taxi rank. I see a driver in full livery holding up a sign with my name on it. Surprised, I wonder when Ty organized this and how long the driver had been waiting. I'm distracted and I don't pay too much attention to the driver. He opens the door for me and I thank him and climb into the car, enjoying the smell of the leather seats. I get comfortable, lean back and close my eyes and he starts to drive. The driver turns the music up, an eclectic mix of stocking music. I lean back and close my eyes. I fall asleep as we drive through London. I awake with a start when the car stops. It's then I notice how dark the windows are and how little I can see out. The driver opens the door and helps me out of the car. We've arrived at a large Victorian home. I'm confused, but before I can ask any questions, the driver returns to his car and drives away. The hair on my body has risen again. 
All of my senses are on edge as I walk up the three stairs to the front door. I lift the great brass knocker in the shape of a lion's head. The door opens slowly, creaking like in an old horror movie. I walk in tentatively. Hello? I say, feeling as though I'm in a low-budget film. I walk fifty more yards and hear the door slam behind me. I jump and I hear a chuckle. I look towards the sound, but I don't see anyone. I enter an old-fashioned library, beautiful, solid oak shelves filled with books, hard-bound, leather-bound, soft-cover. Some are clearly very old and others modern. There are library steps. The smell is of old leather, slightly musty, and fine cigars. There are two overstuffed, blood-red chairs, each with an ottoman in front. The reading lamps are old-style banker's lamps. There's an open fireplace on the south wall, emanating a comforting heat. There's no one in the room. I begin to look at the books. The first one I pull out is a first edition hardcover of nine and a half weeks. The next, a leather-bound illustrated edition of Story of O. I look more closely at these shelves. There is erotica of every genre from every era. Mama Vi would love this place, I muse, as I continue to examine the collection. I become so engrossed in exploring, I forget to wonder why I'm here. I'm in the midst of reading one of Zan West's stories when I feel breath on my neck. I startle, dropping the book, and turn quickly around. You smile at my jumpiness. Anxious? You ask quietly. What am I doing here? I reply, unwilling to admit my anxiety at this stage. Answer me, you say. Yes, I'm anxious, I say with a strident tone, wondering why I'm answering you at all. I did not ask to be brought here. I'm supposed to be having a girl's afternoon with Ty. I'm in a strange home with an intensely hot butch invading my personal space. My stomach is turning. My hands are shaking. My mouth has gone dry, and my cunt is soaked. The hair continues to stand on my body. My initial response is primal, fight or flight, and I am desperate to flee. The moment before the adrenaline fully kicks in is a moment in which I am frozen to the spot. You walk slowly around me, taking your time to look at me. The first circle allows me a modicum of personal space. The second time around, you're closer, and by the third circle, you're damn near on top of me. I can feel your eyes holding me as though I were one of those butterflies, pinned into a young boy's collection. Strip you command, and I'm about to argue when I feel the look in your eyes daring me to do just that. Instead, I slowly remove my clothing. I'm not trying to be sensual, as I am much too anxious, but somehow, taking my time, it becomes a sensuous strip. I turn my back to you as I remove my jumper and my trousers. I turn back to face you and kick off my boots. I slowly remove my bra and finally my pants. You remain impassive, though I can feel the heat coming off of you in waves. My breathing is shallow, my pulse racing. As I stare at you, a challenging look in my eyes. My mind is screaming, wrong, don't challenge, show deference. A tremor runs through my body, but I continue to meet your gaze. After some minutes, I lower my eyes. You chuckle. As you examine me, I feel as though someone is pushing down on my shoulders until I slide to my knees. I'm surprised to find myself there, kneeling at your feet. You press your foot in between my thighs and spread them wider. 
A gasp escapes my lips. You continue to walk around me. The first strike comes as a complete shock. You leave a handprint on my face. The sound like a crack of thunder in my ears. The second strike comes quickly on the heels of, my fir- of the first, slapping my head back, leaving the imprint of your fingers on the other side of my face. I remain on my knees, shocked. Your boots appear before my face again. You press my head to your boots. I know what you expect. I kiss your boots. What starts as a perfunctory act becomes an act performed with desire and devotion, an unexpected act of worship. You move to one of the chairs and settle into it. I stay with my head to the floor. I hear the rustle and clink of chains. Tremors move through my body, but I do not move. I remember being in the woods with Stuart when I was 12 years old. He had a net he used to catch butterflies and sometimes dragonflies. Sometimes he would chase them and swoop down with his net, snaring the creature. He would examine what he had caught, and if it was, and I quote, an interesting specimen, he would put it into a jar to take home and pin into his collection. If it was not of interest, he would unwind the net and tap it until the insect flew free. Other times, Stuart would stand stock still and hold out his net. He would wait for the butterflies or dragonflies to enter the net and then quickly trap them. Still other times, he would walk quietly, stalking the flying beauties until he was close enough to pounce. Stuart took me home with him to show me his collection. His eyes lit up as he spoke about the collection. His cheeks turned pink and he would lick his lips. His excitement animated his whole body. I remember feeling weak and dizzy as I looked at the collection, the insects pinned in neat rows. When I went home that night, I rubbed myself off to thoughts of being stalked and caught just like those butterflies. Here in this room, I am caught in your net. I wonder if I will be thought an interesting specimen and you will want to keep me, or if I will be found unworthy and set free. I hear you rise. You walk around me again, taking in the measure of my breathing, the trickle of sweat between my shoulder blades, the tremor that moves through my flesh as you get closer. I wonder how it was that I missed the net. My hypervigilance usually serves me. This time, it only served to confuse. Too much information meant that I missed the more subtle clues. After all, butterfly nets are sheer and can be difficult to see. Your hands on my left ankle bring me quickly to awareness. The steel ring is cold and heavy. The chain attached to it sturdy, though not too unwieldy. The steel of the wrist restraints is frigid, and I wonder where you've been keeping them. You bind my wrists together in front of me, allowing about a foot of chain in between so I can maneuver a bit. The tremors through my body are stronger. My nipples have turned into rubies, hard and deep red. My cunt continues to drip. I alternate between burning and freezing temperature. Illustrate my temperature illustrated in the color change that moves over my body. You're standing in front of me. My face is still to the floor. Those damn boots are in my face again, and I cannot resist the urge to cover them with kisses. I'm sure I've never done this before and watch myself in awe, wondering what the hell has come over me. I'm caught, and I cannot figure out how that happened. I feel vulnerable and raw and desperate for release. You raise my head and look into my eyes. I kiss your hands as they pass my lips. I couldn't speak if you asked me to at this moment. All words have left me. 
My hunger consumes me. I am panting, breast quivering with each short breath. As you watch my nipples tighten again until they are sharp ruby points. Standing in front of me, the outline of your cock is, ho- is eye level. Gods, I want to suck you so badly, but I cannot even speak. You have my hair and pull my face to you. Your trousers against my face are rough and comforting in their roughness. I can smell your arousal through your trousers and I moan with need. You let go of my hair and move to sit on the chair again. The chain pulls as you step back. The sound of the links is musical. As you pull the chain towards you, I have no choice but to crawl towards you. I whimper as I crawl, more from the humiliation than from any pain. You're watching me carefully. Your gaze singes my skin and burns through to my soul. There are some rules, you say. We will go over them. When I finish, you will have a choice. Leave or consent to do as I say. You will only be asked once. Yes, sir, I whisper. You're talking about respect and deference, taking care with how I speak, how I look, looking to your needs, always considering what you might want before making choices. Valuing my mind and skills as tools you can use. Part of me is shouting, no, I'm independent. I will remain independent. While the rest of me feels as though I can finally let out the breath I've been holding in for years, I can breathe. As long as I follow your rules, I'll be able to breathe and feel. When you finish, you simply say choose. I lift my head, clearly looking into your eyes, and say softly but clearly, I wish to stay. I have taken in a deep breath. I hold it while you consider what I have said, praying that I will be found worthy. You smile. Good girl, you say as you stand up. You bend me over the leather ottoman, secure ankle chain to the heavy, oversized floor lamp in the corner. You leave my hands secured together. You leave the room. I'm plunged into terror. I do not know who else is here. I do not know fully where I am. I fear the silence in the room. I fear who else will be here and who might see me in this condition, naked and bound to an ottoman. I wait quietly, breathing, to try to control my fear. I have goosebumps all over my body. Suddenly, there is music. It is with dark, with penetrating beat. The acoustics in the room cause it to sound like it comes from a cavern. It arises out of the air. I always find that disconcerting. The first strike of the crop catches my left ass cheek slightly off-center. I groan softly. The second strike lands right next to the first. The next few strikes continue the line down my ass cheek. They land quickly and with medium force. I yelp as you continue to strike my ass, my thighs. I moan. I lose count before you stop. My body is covered in a sheen of sweat. I pant. Quick, shallow breaths. You are in front of me, undoing the bindings, securing me to the ottoman. Turn over, you rasp. I comply, and you bind me on my back over the ottoman. You place my head on a couple of big, firm pillows to give me some support. I am still somewhat bent, so not able to truly watch you, except when you're behind my head. The first strike of the dragon tail lands on my belly. I squeal at the sting and the heat. You begin slowly striking with precision my breasts, my belly, and then my inner thighs. Wildfire spreads over my body as the strikes build over each other. Tears stream down my face as you hit harder and faster. You abandon the dragon tail for your hands, slapping, hitting, pinching. This is harder to manage without sobbing. 
You hit faster and harder, smacking my pussy now until I am wailing. The pressure is intense. I burn. Gods, I burn. I want you to stop. I want you to keep going. I want. I just want. Gods, I beg with seemingly no volition, the words being dragged from my core. Please, please, oh, sir, please, please. Please what, girl? What do you need? I can hear the passion in your voice. Please, sir, let me come, please, I cry. The fire has reached my chest and is moving up my back. Soon it will completely engulf me. I am suspended in this moment of need, knowing that it belongs to you, just as all moments belong to you. Thanks for joining me on this erotic adventure. Join me again next week for more exciting erotica. Visit my websites, drlauribethbisbee.com and drlauribethbisbee.press for more information about what I'm doing and what services are available. Check out my weekly internet radio show, The A to Z of Sex, on the Health and Wellness Channel, voiceamerica.com, Thursdays at 11 a.m. PST, 2 p.m. EST, 7 p.m. BST, and that's a live show. If you've got suggestions for this show or authors you'd like to hear, email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.press. Have a great week.